Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Okay, I didn't, I'm like, the computer is not in front of my face today, so I can't see it. All right, well, we're back for another episode of Mixed Company. I think this is actually really good that we are recording um, so many uh, episodes and bonus uh, bonus editions, if you will, because quite frankly, once Christmas comes, you're not going to really hear shit from me. I need a break yeah, already. We've been busy. We've been super busy. Um how are you guys doing? Hi, Karina. Hi, Kai. You know I'm here, popping. That's doing it. Thug thizzle. Just here, popping, doing your thug thizzle. You went to California twice, and now you a whole gangster. Yeah, it's a cross between Quite that gangsta. and a Calabasas wannabe. <laughs> that's fine. YG yeah. lives in Calabasas, so yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. Um, so we're fresh off of advertising week. In the last episode, yep. we were fresh off of ad color. We're like really just living the dream at this point. I think you're downplaying your time at Ad Week. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> downplaying my time at Ad Week. Um, but I th- also figured that was okay. How was your Ad Week, Sim? Uh, I didn't do a lot. I did hear all the black people. Mm-hmm. And we did um, Can Can with, is that their name? That's their full name, right? Can kind Can. of. I think so. That's the hashtag. No, I think it's their name. Is it? Um, where they announced their Inkwell initiative, where they're trying to bring a whole bunch of black people to Cannes next year, which was pretty dope. It was dope. Um, we also had Hear All the Black People, yeah. the pre-party, the actual party, and the post-party. It was a whole bunch of black people at the end of Ad Week, and that was literally uh, probably something that was very needed for me. Um, but I kicked off for those of you that were in attendance because I took a a view of the um, filmed content from Advertising Week, and you will not see my face. However, if you do look at your Twitter feed from time to time, you may see some clips of your girl up there during the road mapping workshop for Times Up Advertising. Um, essentially just... Speaking my mind, saying the things that I wanted to say when I wanted to say them to the people I wanted to say them to. And I will go ahead and be very clear, I was very respectful, um, as I always am. Um, And I guess respectful is uh, relative. But this time, I was traditionally respectful. um, And I think it was just a really good opportunity to speak on behalf of women, which I guess at this point... um, Yeah, to speak on behalf of women who were at the Time's Up events uh, in May of this past, of this year, um, who just didn't feel heard. And I know we spoke about that with Colleen DeCourcy last week, but I didn't go into full detail, but I just kind of explained the exact, I explained the exact uh, feelings and the sentiments that I had about what it's like to be welcomed into agencies and what it's like to be welcomed to a table uh, and what it's like for people to say, we want you to be a part of it, but if you could please just hold your mic and not speak. Um, That's some bullshit. But what makes it productive is when you are comfortable enough to bring your concerns to the table. 
um, and not to just sit and be silent, but to make sure you are you are able to stand and be heard. Um, and I mean, I took it like the way I would used to take my beatings. Like you, you just kind of go in for it. Um, so I wasn't nervous at first, and it didn't kind of really hit me until a couple of days later that um, those are moments that we do need to speak on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of uh, our peers who, when we see something, we need to say something. And when we need other people to do better and when we need to do better, we need to acknowledge that so that we can make progress. So. And shout out to Colleen for listening because, I, you know, I think we people have been saying shit for a very long time, not just around, around women, but about all issues around the isms, racism, ageism, sexism. Um, and, I, you know, we're still talking because we felt like people aren't listening. So shout out to Colleen for sitting down with us and listening and, you know, being a part of that workshop to make sure that things are actually changing for the better. Right. And shout out to all of the women, actually, from the Time's Up Advertising Committee. Um, I think they all heard, and I, I will say that I'm looking forward to see what their next steps are. It was a road mapping conversation, which means there's much more to do um, as we push forward. So, yeah, it was a good ad week, y'all. It was a little, it was a little productive. It was a little productive. Um, but as you guys may or may not know, like we said before, we're a little bit more popping these days. So we got guests. Um, Grandma said we could have our friends over to play today. Um, so we have a couple of folks here with us from the illustrious Bold Culture. Um, I guess, how would you guys describe it? You guys are like a... We're a multicultural communication agency. Commu communication. Yes. So you guys are an yeah, agency. We're not an agency. We teach agencies and brands how yes. to talk to You're an agency for agencies. For agencies. Ain't that, that's oh, your favorite agency's nice. favorite yes. agency. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we're solving the problem agency. that they're having a hard time solving, which is diversity and inclusion, so... And you yes. solving people's problems for them. To. You're like therapists for it's agencies. A, we need a therapist. You guys are, are like, yeah, you probably <laughs> do need yeah. therapists, but you're like cultural therapists yeah. for like these agencies who just don't understand why they're so culturally uh, fucked. I love that word, cultural yeah. therapist. Yeah, you yeah you're welcome. <laughs> Go ahead you. and use that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what we found is that these agencies will have really small teams either focused on DNI or multicultural marketing and when I say small I mean like it's three people devoting half their time to these efforts and they get no budget yeah so yeah we are brought in to really function as their foot soldiers and get shit done right so the voices that you just heard were from Bianca and Darren um, and they're here to kick it with us for this show talk some shit, change some lives, Thanks maybe make us. a little bit of, produ uh, uh, of progress here. Maybe we'll solve diversity while we're here, right? Oh, in, an in an hour. <laughs> in an hour. Or less. We could we could get a framework going <laughs> somehow. <laughs> in a whole site map. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Just a little outline. Okay. Um, so welcome, you guys. Really Thank excited so to talk Thank to you. you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having um, us. We've, we've had Gary on the show in the past. Um, Gary's definitely a huge supporter of the show, and therefore we're a huge supporter of you guys awesome. um, because you. that black paper touched my heart. 
Like, I was legit in an Uber one day with a dude I was dating. Like, have you seen this? <laughs> Can you read this? I may or may not have pulled one out on a date myself. You know what? And he's no longer here. So I'm and what did they saying, say? I, didn't, like, <laughs> I think he did kind of look at me like, what the fuck, girl? <laughs> and that could, that may or may not be why I'm single today. But I'm just saying, like, I was highly impressed. No, it's fine. It's important. He wasn't here for the change. Exactly. He so wasn't he about the progression right. of so the people. Um... <laughs> so I mean you guys really helped like steer me away from evil <laughs> so I appreciate it but Fair. with that being said um I'm happy you guys are here to deal with our crazy and I feel like we can go ahead and jump into oh wait before we jump into it so I don't have a uh, listener feedback per se right now but I will say in the last week between ad color ad week and hear all the black people a lot of you guys that actually do listen to the show, which by a lot, I mean more than one, um, which is a lot for us, did stop by uh, to introduce yourselves to Karina, Simeon, and I. And we're super grateful. Like, for real, for real, for the most part, I really just thought it was me and and Ser- uh, Karina, Serena, because that's Ser- wow. Simeon and Karina. Mm. Me and Serena have been listening to the show. <laughs> Um, for the last couple <laughs> years, but it's always nice to know that people appreciate what you do. Um, so thank you guys for your support, stopping by the tables and just kind of um, telling us to keep going and keep cussing and, and doing the Lord's good work. Uh, we appreciate you as much as you guys have mentioned that you appreciate us. Yeah. So with that said, it's time for some dope shit and some ain't shit. And I feel like there's a lot to go around the room today. There's a lot of us. Um, Sim, you want to start? Sure, I'll start. Uh, so my dope shit uh, is actually advertising based for the first time. Really? Time. Um, what? <laughs> Nothing in 2018 makes sense anymore. <laughs> um, and my dope shit is the um, new campaign by Oberlin, Oberlind, um, which I'm guessing the, the title of the campaign is Nothing Changes If We Don't. And um, to, no, actually, on October 2nd, they released two short videos um, that address how racism and ageism come to life in, you know, these agencies. Uh, And one video showcased a black dude who is being auditioned by two young white women, and they asked him to say a line, and they basically kept telling him to repeat it more street. Um, And it was interesting to watch because I feel like a lot of us have been in not exactly that situation, but similar situations where somebody expects you to blacken shit up, so to speak. Um, and then their second video was a was about ageism, and it was an older white man being interviewed by a younger white man who didn't really seem to care that he was interviewing this dude. Like, he was running off to go play ping pong and just kind of ignoring um, the guy's experience and his um, skill sets. So that's my dope shit because I feel like when we talk about ageism, sexism, um, all of the isms within agencies, um, a lot of it kind of gets brushed under the rug because none of it is really explicit like no one's calling you the n-word no one's you know saying go home you're too old Uh, it really happens in these really nuanced ways so them showcasing how discrimination comes to life in these liberal progressive environments is really dope and i hope that some agencies take notice because they need to ageism really comes to light when it comes down to who's going to export pdfs uh, I feel like that's when you see it the most. It's true. 
whoever rolls their eyes be like for real for real if somebody asks you to just d- upload a pdf just do it you don't gotta be a dickhead about it like the same way you know just just do some it. people know they know how to upload and download and edit pdfs that's where the real that's skill where the real skill sets are at. hack a form or something listen when you know <laughs> when you know how to make an editable pdf bruh <laughs> holla at me because you are what's needed in the world today um okay so we're gonna go like this i have dope shit i mean i have ancient cool Let's get some balance I think we in this can, piece. I think we can already guess it. So I spent my Saturday watching MSNBC and then watching the Kavanaugh here. Oh, I, girl, I, no. I didn't guess Here's it. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that was mine. And then I took a snap, a nap. I woke up. A digital and nap, it just a went snap. Just a, a digital <laughs> snap. I actually took both. You I took, took a, a nap. nap. <laughs> I was tired of watching the television, and I took a nap. And then I woke up and I was like, well, nothing's better now. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Are you really, are you really tired? Yeah, like, did it, that's not the way I want to say it. The way I was like, about to say Like, feel something or Yeah, do you really feel anything about it? Like, were you shocked, surprised, and in a rage? I wasn't enraged. The thing is, it's like, it's not really the men hearing their votes. It was like, the women like Susan Collins that hearing, surprised you that, girl I don't you here in 2016 I right. just I don't follow her and I was just like the thing is when people are giving their their votes in and you can hear this you can actually hear the screams yes that was like yo like handman's tale I should just watch it because this has become documentary I'm just what was I was what's sh- that ch- channel called? Like I don't have cable anymore. Was it CNET or something? What? Yeah. C span. C span. That I used to watch that back in the day. Same. You could always tell who was voting shit down. They ain't shit. But this <laughs> thing I don't is, care who voted for you. You ain't they shit. They didn't even cover the hearings. So that was what I was watching. Like the CNN was covering people from the outside. Um, Facebook, I think it was Washington Post. Their Facebook watch. They were actually covering the hearings and the votes. Mm-hmm. which I found very weird. And then MSNBC, same thing, commentary from the outside. And mm-hmm. C-SPAN decided to cover outdoor um, votes on, like, deer or something like that. They just didn't even focus on deer. On, like, they didn't even focus on the hearings. It's not even deer season yet, is it? Whatever. I mean, fine. I would expect C-SPAN to cover all the boring stuff, but they do. They, did <laughs> they do. But I was like, wow, you're not even here for this. I mean, that was really, like, the shocking thing to me. How they covered it? Yeah, the coverage amongst the networks. Probably because everybody knew what the hell was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to, like, we don't really care what's going on in the and chambers. Like, you're literally going to do what we expect you to do. Some of these women still ain't shit. Most of these men still ain't shit. A lot of people there are, like, I mean, I think we actually talked about it on the show. I don't, uh, I don't think you guys have listened yet because we just released last week's episode today. But... Ain't nobody surprised that this man is going to be a judge because it is literally written into the fabric of this country that you can be the most despicable, disgusting, uh, impulsive, degenerate of a human being. And as long as you are white and male in this country, that is exactly who you need to be because it is his birthright. I think I'm more tired of this like judge. just like going back because he every ain't a real he ain't a steps. real SCOTUS <laughs> he's just a judge. Right. No, but I feel like just watching this whole year go down and it's just like we just keep. I feel like I'm moving in reverse. You're like not. I'm just, I feel I feel that way. I, I feel think like you're standing reverse. still 
and the time is moving progress of like how we are thinking is moving ahead but the way shit is moving is standing still yeah. and that's why it feels like we're moving backward because nothing that happened on saturday is different than what happened in 92 is different from what happened before and on top of it sorry i'm gonna stop but i, I didn't feel like Claire, okay, but i think it's a little bit different because i don't think okay i understand in the terms of doing the hearings but in terms of what is stake like how this judge votes on they things, got money in their pockets different. from people exactly. who have power yeah. it's over more them. apparent yeah I think, yeah, I mean, I'm agreeing with everything that's said here. I think, one, from a generational standpoint, I mean, there are going to be some repercussions and consequences for him being in office yeah, or on Gen the X, they're evil. For everybody. They're about to fuck this shit whole up. Administration. Yeah, this whole administration. <laughs> but I think that on the side of the bench, if it, you know, he gets confirmed, he is already confirmed, he starts to do certain things on the docket, it is going to bring our country back, you know, mm-hmm. a few decades if we don't get out to vote in November. Um, you know, but on the side of actually, oh, I'm sorry, on the side of actually this being something that America has always done, right? And it's just power and white systemic, mm-hmm. I think, oppression and racism. Soledad O'Brien said something on Bill Maher yesterday. And she show shakes. So She's so shady these she, days, yeah, she child. Said, she done she, got rid of CNN and her whole life has changed. Exactly. She basically said that on the Susan Collins thing that white women felt as if they had a contract with oh, wow. white Colleen men, said that last week. Um, <laughs> as a, in the sense of like being able to be supported in society and everything else, and that contract was revoked or it was, of course, solidified rescinded, per- or perhaps. rescinded, perhaps, or I'd say even confirmed mm. that it's not even true that contract um, or available there. It's like a used uh, car contract, it's right? Not it's, real. A, it's not real at all, right? And so now they're just like, oh my God, this is you know they're waking up and it's like this. But happens. it's not even like a I like it's not. A majority, which is, I think, what's scaring a lot of people. Mm. Like, I think when people speak about this fear that, oh, my God, I can't believe all these women voted for it. It's like, you, but you can. Yeah. And it's, and perhaps it's not 53%, but 53% is the number that has now become, like, the name for these 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 women that side with um, negative patriarchy, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, the, this fifty three percent will always, as long as they step, they stand uh, in their place, they will always be able to benefit from their contracts. Mm-hmm. Your contract will always work to your benefit as long as you don't stand outside of the boundaries. So you vote for me as long as I'm not touching on you. Mm-hmm. You don't got nothing to worry about. As long as I'm not grabbing on you, you don't have anything to worry about. But they about. are. I mean, these policies are being put into place that will negatively negatively affect <coughs> white women in the future. They just, like the rest of the people who voted for Trump, they cannot see what is right in front of them, which is we are going to put policies in place that will screw you over. But I am holding on with all that I have to my whiteness and privilege mm-hmm. that I'm going to ignore how you're going to screw me over in so many ways. Just Do you think about that how they you really see that far ahead, though? No. I mean, I think they're just holding on to this notion of privilege. Right. Like that which is they the don't understand that they're going to get screwed death, over man. by these policies. It's oh the, for me, it's like <laughs> the difference between their your doorstep and like your front yard and then the world outside like i feel like a lot of people are only seeing their doorstep i'm comfortable in the walls of my home even if my home probably has moldy walls dirty dishes 
walls ain't painted it's comfortable because it's my home and not recognizing that there's a bigger world out there that you can benefit from but fuck that but, is but it, i don't think they live in that bigger is world one up is it a comfort of i feel comfortable like in the world that i'm living or am i i know that my privilege and i know it gives me a leg up and so i want to keep it but they don't even have a real leg up it's a proximity the power it's the though that proximity creates, to power that creates sure power itself, yeah i think and so if it's somewhere where brett kavanaugh is like confirmed uh, uh i'm forgetting the woman's name now um dr ford who right. came out you know you talk about this whole interest convergence theory the idea that there weren't a lot of groups coming out and protesting kavanaugh of course he could have done stuff to us right civil right on a civil rights basis um but they weren't coming out to protest until dr ford and many other women came forward right so now you have white women who right. are trying to challenge the power in which they are then lended by white men right so it's becoming some power systems internally I think with certain groups and that's sort of like a whiteness calendar, yeah, like a, was, one yeah. more day for whiteness. <laughs> <laughs> or in my mind, it just takes me back to my college days, like the proximity, the closeness of, or the proximity to the the table at the mm. club that has the bottle service. Yeah. Because the closer you stand to the rope, uh, the more likely that you'll be offered a free drink and right. you won't have to go to the bar yourself. That in itself is a level of privilege, which many of us did experience. But once you realize that these dudes ain't really out here trying to get you drunk the way you trying to get your drink. You start buying your own shit. Cause right. who got time to be shaking their ass in front of somebody for a damn thirteen dollar drink? I got thirteen dollars. You know, I think one of the craziest thing, craziest things about this is anybody who watched The Handmaid's Tale last, well, who's been watching it since the beginning, knows how crazy this looks because these women are basically setting themselves up to be marginalized which is like the craziest right. like theory ever it's like why are you working against your own best interests um because like what are, what are, what are you going to get out of it um and then like the handmaid's tale like you i don't want to spoil it for anybody but basically it's been it's been over right, i don't yeah, watch I it it's watched. too depressing yeah. real life is too depressing well, I'm not about to watch it's it. like watching cnn really it's right, fine but, you know i think i think that's the craziest thing is like i watched it and then you were like watching the kavanaugh trials and watching these white women like cape for this dude and it's like you're literally working against your own best interests like this can happen to you the same thing that's happening to her can happen to you but you you can't put yourself in her shoes and like it's so bewildering to like watch the whole shit go down. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I'm gonna transition into my shit because it is literally answering the questions that we're talking about here. And I'm actually gonna go ahead and label it a dope a dope shit, even though it could be construed as an ain't shit. Um, so for those of you that are over the age of ten years old, you may remember um, a special woman in our lives uh, that we refer to as the notorious Sarah Palin, um, who literally rocked the p uh, political world back during the 2008 uh, presidential election, standing uh, alongside um, uh, John McCain, rest in peace, um, as a vice presidential candidate. Um, if you remember, she gave us many laughs at her. She gave us many laughs uh, in proximity to her. Shout out to Tina Fey, uh, who literally, I sometimes cannot tell the difference when I look back at flicks. Um, however, I was perusing through the Atlantic today um, and I saw uh, a think piece or I, I guess a summary of a podcast 
from Katie Couric and Brian Goldsmith, um, uh, who is the former CBS News political producer and co-host of of a podcast. That's just what the hell it says here. But essentially, they're drawing a direct line um, from the 2008 election and how Sarah Palin ran her side of the election to what is literally um, political strategy for winning elections on the conservative side here from 2016 and now 2018. So essentially, they talk about how this is, these are direct quotes I'm just going to pull here, that Palin may not have been able to name a single newspaper or magazine. Remember Katie Couric asked her, what do you read? And she said all of them, whatever, <laughs> most of them, some of them, whichever ones are available, I'll read. Um, but she was able, but she was able to um, essentially use her candidacy to diminish longstanding political norms that were pushed aside. So essentially like using her, using divisiveness. So that was the first time that we started to hear that now we're not comfortable with a man like that, aka at the time Barack Obama, because I don't know if he has the same American ideals that I have. Now questioning his Americanness, if you will, if you will, um, her pop personality. The woman, if nothing else, she was adorable, and I feel like it's ten years later, and we can say that she was like your regular old middle of America, even though she was in Alaska, soccer mom. Like that was her big thing that she was a soccer mom, and she had guns. <laughs> Nah, and she's not adorable. And she was like, <laughs> she was almost a caricature. She was really like a caricature of herself, and she okay. used that to her advantage <laughs> yeah, to align herself with the regular Joe Schmo or Joe Sixpack. Back, like <laughs> these are all colloquialisms from ten years ago, guys. This was important. Um, but they also talked about how she and and she was pretty much the first one to start. Uh, alienating and villa what's the word I'm vilifying um intellectual int intellectuals so for her it's okay not to be able to explain why she feels that she is ready to run a country and has knowledge of foreign policy because she can see Russia in her backyard. That's a direct quote, by the way. If you're too young to remember that that was some real shit said on the real ass news before the real ass news was fake news, this woman says she could see Russia from her backyard. But for some reason, her her the distance and the proximity between Russia and Alaska somehow made her um a relevant politician who could handle foreign policy but also the fact that um when she would go to rallies and people would yell out shit like terrorist that man's a an arab terrorist mm -hmm. unlike her presidential candidate that was on the ticket with her would be like nah be chill that ain't real she'd just kind of sit there with a cute soccer mom smile i'm just like not gonna say no if that's what you're saying if that's what we're saying then that's what you're saying and i'm just gonna sit here so kind of just welcoming this idea that it's okay to literally start to use supercharged and um words that that trigger uh discrimination at rallies and 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 riling people up and getting them violent and that she was literally the first one to start doing that um it also talked about how right it also talked about how she used her speeches to go after the lamestream media. That is literally another direct quote 
from a rally from Sarah Palin, who literally that. is the first person to start talking about how the media is not our friend. The media is skewing our words. The media is skewing our story. The media is un-American. Um, and, and literally anybody who worked for an elite publication, they were of no relevance. Fuck you and your education, your years of college, and yada, yada, yada. And who cares you went to Harvard? What do you know I'm out here driving soccer vans and shit? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and also the idea that women, like, the fact that she did use her, maybe not to her advantage, but she was very concerned about her image. So her image was more important than what she knew. How she would constantly go on TV. <laughs> Y'all, Doesn't it was that real sound bad. like your president? It's right sa- now? It literally sounds exactly like That's what crazy. goes on right now. But it's okay for her to go on TV and completely fuck everything up and not know anything about policy. But as long as her ratings are up, mm. she was good. And that is how she ran her election, not the joint election, but her specific election back in 2008. And so what I took from this six-page article that I printed off of The Atlantic is we all have Sarah Palin to blame for this because she made it okay to be completely ignorant, not know shit, (laughs) and just out here just being cute on TV, and I guess cute is relative. But um, it also, on, on a more serious note, called to me that this isn't new, and also just giving us the uh, giving me the opportunity to think about how exactly what we're doing right now and exactly what we're seeing in our politics and in our culture can explode into something bigger and what's funny today um which i'm trying to think of things that are funny and everything seems so negative but the idea of oh i can't believe the president is talking about grabbing pussy but 10 years from now, that actually could be a real thing that happens that people just don't give a fuck about. Or when a judge gets approved because despite his sexual assault in his past. Right. And and we, like imagine going from alleged to you actually were convicted Mm. of it, but it's okay because maybe she had it coming. Like these are the things that this article kind of sparked for me that, what was very trivial back then, and even now could be seen as trivial, can And this is why something. I do not watch documentaries like oh. Handmaiden's Tale. Oh, it is a documentary. <laughs> it is a damn documentary. It is a, tr- it is a true story based on true events, based on things that are happening tomorrow. Like, it is some real shit. But I do suggest you guys go and read this. The article is called What Sarah Palin Saw Closely. Um, I appreciated a lot of the shade in here. Because uh, it actually said that she knew that delegitimizing the op- the op- opposing party and the mainstream media are effective campaign tactics. Um, and in addition to seeing Russia outside her backyard, it turns out Sarah Palin could see a lot more than Russia from her house. So, I mean, I'm here for the shade, but I'm also here for the education. And I think pretty much what this is just showing is that the more we think things are for play play, as my grandmother and my mother would say, um, the realer they can get. So y'all pay attention to these streets, and it's not just another SNL skit. It's real life that can explode in the next decade or so. For sure. So I have some dope shit and some ain't shit. Give it to us. All right. So for my dope shit, um, we were all at Hear All the Black People Friday. Yes. um, And we were there last year as well. Um, I think maybe you guys probably – came through as well no i wasn't there nope we were there this year all right yep so well anyway so this year 
um, it's as last year, you get a bunch of students coming up to you and talking about what they're learning in school, what they want to do, what kind of roles they want. They want to be an art director or a creative, a copywriter, and they just have so much joy and energy and excitement for the industry, which is so refreshing to see and witness. Um, so that's always really reassuring. And I, I like it. You just want to encourage them. So that's the dope shit is seeing these excited kids. You want to encourage them? Oh, when you hold, see on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I want to encur- I want to <laughs> encourage them to pursue their dreams. But ain't shit is then seeing what happens a few years in and mm. we've had many conversations with this is a lot of the work that we do where you get a few years into the industry and you just get that joy and excitement that ad burnout. Right. Yes. Right. You get burnt out and you get frustrated. And so we are working really hard to change that so this does not happen. Um, Because we also have conversations with mid-level professionals and they're just exhausted and ready to say, screw you, I'm out and I'm going to go do my own thing. Not that you all don't (laughs) know anything about that. I hear Roberta Flack and Lauren Hill singing in my ear right now. (laughs) Just go ahead and kill me softly. Yeah, and I also, I like the fact that you pointed that out because, you know, one, you know, that event started with asking where are all the black people. And one of the things that I love about that event is it basically throws them into your face. Like, these are all the people that you say that you can't find these all the people who are passionate about this industry what the fuck are you going to do with it and then again the follow-up is a few years later look at what you've done to these people who you said that you wanted who you said that you would cherish and you basically abuse them and you know underutilize them and undermanage them until the point where they're like fuck you i'm out i'm gonna go do something else I saw, do you guys see those? I don't know if you guys follow hashtags on Instagram. I am about to stop because they don't show the things I really want to see, just shit people tag. But I do follow the diversity hashtag. And ironically, this morning I saw a video pop up that I was thumbing through. Um, But the three seconds of it that I did watch, it was a woman, and all I heard was before I lost it, we need to to start preparing the – corporate America for our children and stop trying to prepare our children for corporate America. And I was like, that's the word, but I couldn't find it. That's how I knew it was God. Because he was like, I really just want you to focus in on this one thing. Um, but that was definitely something that had me thinking back to here all the black people where, I mean, I went to Howard and I literally had an entire orientation class about how to get my voice and my clothes and my hair ready so that people don't judge me. Um, but in response, I'm not the one that wants to know where all the agencies I can work at mm. are. In response, these agencies that I spent high school, because I took business classes, but high school and college preparing for, have no idea what to do with me, no matter how prepared I am once I get there, because they have no cultural context for what where I may come from. And cultural context doesn't mean that I come from the hood. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always mean that maybe I was poor. And it may just mean that I have more experience more cultural experiences than you that I could contribute and you just don't know how to use. So. I'm so excited for what is it, Gen Z? 
Child, to come into no the workplace because the, yes they exactly care. they fuck give zero yeah. fucks they don't care about corporate rules or structures they mm. grew up on the internet and tumblr and they're like oh no 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 mm. i'm not a man i am female i am gender non-conforming so you better fix that form of yours mm-hmm. and not make me choose one yep. of the two because that doesn't work for me and mm. corporate america is gonna get so they just around. gonna have yeah. to retire because they ain't gonna know what to do. The Washington Post actually just did an um, article on this, and they say that Gen Z actually wants to be in corporations. Like they don't want to be self-employed. They take it over. Right, they want to take it They're over. Like little parasites you know, of actually, like intellectualism. For now, at least, because we know everybody grows. But they actually don't want to take leadership positions and or self self-employment. This sounds like Gen X. Right, but the problem with that being. Now you have people in the office that you're going to have to change the culture for because right. they have totally different working styles. Right. And if they don't want to be leaders, of course, they'll probably change out of that in a few years. But if they don't want to be leaders, they want to be in a corporation, then how do you but create culture? They're going to be leaders just being there because oh, they're yeah. going to force change. It's yeah, going to be le- sure. it's probably going to be less like groupthink, which yeah. is what old corporate lifestyle is and Absolutely. more individual uh, like having autonomy over a project than it want. is trying to be a leader right. over a gang of people. Right. Um, I think they the don't leadership care about nothing. Thought, yeah, the definition and, and thought of leadership is different possibly for yeah. them. It's more collaborative. They're like, all going to work from home. Right. They're right. all going to Skype in for meetings, and they're yeah. all going to put you on mute when they don't want to hear you. Right. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really to be great to watch. I'm not working with them because fuck that. That's some <laughs> yeah. crazy shit. But I'm going to laugh at everybody else working Go with all the young people. <laughs> 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 what about you? Do you I have, have a dope, dope shit? shit. Uh, and it's something around Ad Week, actually. And okay. so you actually talked about, I, I believe, the Time's Up movement uh, yes. not necessarily have or, or expressing the voice of black women. Right. And so actually to have this panel, which is a panel of all black women at Ad Week New York, entitled The Power of Black Twitter's Voices in Hollywood. Shout out to Goddess, yes, Shout out to bruh. Goddess. I had to bring that up. Um, just like five black women being able to yes. uh, give their voice on perspectives around why people need to be tapped into culture and for that to be displayed around ad week something that we don't normally see especially five black women that's definitely some dope shit and I definitely appreciate ad week and appreciate the women who were able to give their voices to that and yeah shout out to goddess and sure. not just that so like April Rain was on that yeah, April and Rain. then we had um, oh gosh Janine D I'm gonna get from it. from BET yes um, and then we had oh, what is Cheryl the, Grace. Yes, I was like Miss Grace because that's and what I called her. Because Miss Grace is yeah. from listen, she's from Chicago and she has like a whole like Felicia Rashad like yes, elegance of around her and like I can't speak to that. So she was Miss Grace to me that whole day. But what's even doper about that mm-hmm. is that there is this panel that is indirectly about diversity and largely about a um a culture or behavior if you will on a platform so it's it's a tech focused conversation um that happened that was able to find women that could speak uh that could speak to diversity uh, with no problem. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are black women who can talk about things other than diversity and inclusion? And then on what? top of that, you know who couldn't find any black women or men to speak on diversity and, in- and inclusion? Oh, my God. Because, it, well, there was an entire there panel. Was a panel. And, I mean, shade, no shade. I'm happy to speak with anybody. If Michael Roth ever wants to come on the show, <laughs> he's welcome to come so we can discuss it. But I've said this before about Michael Roth, how... 
I cannot applaud you for your conversations when I don't see you in action. And I think it was a panel that happened on Monday, Monday afternoon. I forget the name of the panel. It's been everywhere. If anybody wants to Google it while I'm talking so we get the name. There was an entire pan there was a panel about diversity that only had white people on the panel. Yeah, I think so was it the three uh, percent conference? No, I think or it was no. like the, it was one of the three percent tweeted it because they, they were like, Y'all are on some bullshit. We done uh, told y'all because, you know, my bad, 3% they t- no, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> but like, no, like they tweeted it out. But the bigger thing is that panel full of white CEOs. Oh, it was the CEOs for change or something yeah, like that. CEOs for change initiative. And they could not find they did not volunteer anybody else of color to be on that panel. They literally just all kind of said, yeah, I want to be on the panel. And and when I read one of the articles, I forget it might have been on Black Enterprise. Somebody mm-hmm. referred to it as an oversight. That's a hell yeah. of a. That's like yeah, stepping that's in boo boo. Like how that's a many hell times of you have to make the same mistake to not think about the object? But my yeah. point is that all of you are CEOs for diversity and for inclusion and for change, and it is literally your job to. Um, Think about your thinking. You literally have to critically think about diversity because it is not a habit for you. It is not a natural thing for you to want to be around different people. And you completely overstepped the idea that, oh, in this conversation, maybe we should bring some voices in from the people that we say that we hire and we work with to also speak on this panel. You all wanted to be the superstars of that damn conversation, and you look fucking stupid. And then here we go on this whole conversation about tech, culture, platforming, data, et cetera. It's all these black women. Mm -hmm. You could have switched each other out. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally, all you had to do was ask the person to the right or the left of you. That's church, for those of you that don't know. you got <laughs> Sometimes you have to ask your neighbor, okay, to clarify some things for she, you. But is like, this it? It, it? it ain't it. I right? just, it, was just, it was just ironic to me. So I love yeah. that panel, and I love that that panel showed, showed the CEO panel that they weren't shit. I wonder, from the CEO panel, though, like, are their perspective is, oh, well, we don't have a lot of black CEOs. That's literally said it was an too. oversight. But that's the problem, right? The oversight is like, aren't you a CEO? I think that that's just an excuse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's all they had to do was land on the internet? It goes into where all, here all, where all the black people are, here all the black so people, you trying, right? So we got to tell the one club they got to do this on Monday yeah, so that the panels don't CEOs start until Tuesday too, just yeah. in case. Like, again, nobody should have to do your job for you. Right. And, and you as a CEO to Michael Roth, because he was like, the biggest name quite frankly on that panel and others like him you don't get a pass just because you speak on a panel you you only get acceptance and acknowledgement when you make change and that was a fuck up not an mm-hmm. oversight it was almost purposeful mm-hmm. quite frankly so so this brings me back to this thing i've been contemplating which is like what the future is going to look like and i think it's a major problem because in our industry right now people are rewarded and focused on getting a pat on the back and like that is what these agencies will shell out money for because they want a pat on the back and in my ideal future money will be made by being told the truth yeah 
I know, I know. I have a fantasy. I have a fantasy in my mind, um, and then we can like go on to you guys. I think this will be a great transition anyway. So you know the first episode of the Boondocks, and I bring this up from time to time when Huey tells white people the truth. So mm-hmm. I have a fantasy in my mind that I am Huey in like real life, and it is my <laughs> yes. job to tell Speak all the people, not just white people, but to tell black people and white people and my parents most specifically like the truth (laughs) good luck with that one listen i'm trying and like they just all go crazy and flip tables because to your point you can't get a pat on the back for it's there's no such thing as an a for effort yeah and i think a lot of these a lot of companies are rewarding themselves for their effort and therefore the rest of us are like oh my god thank you so much for having this conversation I'm not thanking you for having a conversation. I'm actually not even going to thank you for fixing your problem. I'm Mm -hmm. probably never going to thank you for anything to do with diversity. But what I will do, what I will do is applaud those of us that are able to kind of push push past this fuckery because that's where the hard work is. The hard work isn't you not changing. The hard work is in the rest of us moving forward and making progress despite your foolishness Mm -hmm. and your ignorance. Um, But with that being said, said, let's go ahead and talk about y'all. Enough about (laughs) things in the world. (coughs) Let's talk about bold culture. And I think there's a lot to be said for even the title or or the name rather of your agency, your your therapist, your favorite agency's favorite agency, your cultural (laughs) therapy uh, agency where Literally, there is something quite bold about studying, not studying, but taking the time to listen and learn Mm -hmm. about the things that everyone should listen and learn about, but no one's listening, learning and learning about and telling them here, guys, here's everything you said you don't have. Here's the cheat sheet. Here are the answers to the test. Let's figure out what you can do with the answers to the test. Absolutely. Maybe you can pass, right? Yeah. So how did you guys kind of come up with this concept for bold culture? Yeah. Yeah. So um, bold culture, again, is a multicultural communication agency. And so we were thinking about what the agency is missing or uh, lacking around the diversity and inclusion problem. And that's mostly uh, actions, right? And then cultural insights. Because if we don't know where we came from, right, we're going to continue to start over and continue to build on things that have already been done. Those are your ancestors speaking through you. Our ancestors, you know, I come as one, but I I, I mean, I come as one in 10,000. Amen. Um, And I think that, you know, from that, Bold Culture was started to do one, uh, provide insights, cultural insights. So mm-hmm. cultural insights around multicultural talent and the lack thereof, sometimes they were in agencies and brands. Then also uh, multicultural consumers, right? We all know that black people are not a monolith. Latinx individuals are not a monolith, Asian American, LGBT. But when we get into the agency world, we many times get into these demos, right? And affinities, and then you're just categorized as one thing. And so what we wanted to do is provide that nuance of culture for brands and agencies to talk about how talent and how consumers can be more authentically, I think, approached from a marketing perspective and then retained um, and attracted from a agency perspective. So the insights reports like the black paper or like the Latinx um, research report that we're creating allows us to do both um, the marketing and HR side of things. So that's one thing to get into the door. Like you have, here's the information. 
um, once we get into the door, it's mostly consulting, right? So we understand the microaggression and anti-bias workshops, but we do that from a situation of how does that affect creative teams, right? Uh -huh. What does that look like in a microaggression and bias there? or managers or HR recruiters. And so we try to make it more actionable than, oh, we all need to get along with each other. Um, we also build out uh, curriculums for mentorship, right? Mentorship and career sponsorship. Um, we build out curriculums and help uh, individuals or companies build out their ERGs um, if they need them. And so it's really specific to the company mm -hmm. what they need and we understand we start with research and data because we wanna know how many of your uh, 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 people in the office are black? How many of them feel included? How many of them are women? How many of them are in senior or mid-level roles? How do they feel about being at the table and are they being heard? Um, and then from there we connect uh, talent either on a freelance, part-time, or full-time basis to these brands and agencies depending on what they want. I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, because as a consultant, how do you, and the fact that a lot of agencies. What agency, does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that some of the agencies don't share their numbers, they're no. very, very confidential. How do you guys. They're confidential, get they just don't have them. They don't have them at all. Go ahead. Now that we cleared the air on that, <laughs> um, how do you guys get to the point where you're getting those insights? Mm -hmm. Especially, you said freelance too, because we really don't see the metrics of freelance because they're in and out of the agencies. Like, how do you guys get the insights for that particular agency or place so you can help them as well? Um, so we're not looking to out anyone. We're just looking for them to face their own music, right? Um, and I know that there's a major effort with organizations such as the One Club to get a group together to get those numbers out in public. What we found doing our research specifically for the black paper is that the agencies, there was one point in time where the agencies released their numbers, and that was in 2006, or six. Okay. when they were forced to by the Human Rights Commission. And it was about three a three-year program that they were all forced to release their numbers. And after that, everyone went back into hiding and it all went back behind closed doors. So we're hoping to get to a point as an industry where everyone is open and honest about them. The interesting thing is that in tech, which is another kind of industry that we work in, they're a lot more open. The numbers aren't any better, but they're more open about them mm. than they are amongst the agencies. So, But again, our goal is to fix the agencies. Our goal is not to out them or make them be These more are so open. nice. What that means? Aww. What that means is we that we partners. keep. Right, you we are keep, no we Diet Madison partners. Avenue. Right. We keep their numbers <laughs> confidential depending on the agency that we work with, and we'd love to, you know, publish something where it's, you know, anonymous and it's in aggregate of all of the agencies that we worked with, and that shows some type of trends. But it just depends. That you also. stop making money. So I do right. want to say one thing. Um, Simeon had said this a while ago on a panel and I thought it was super smart which is like what just look at the exit interviews mm. like right. all, all you need somewhere. to do is read the exit <laughs> interviews and that will give you all of your answers I think yes we've said that and, and I think we, we've brought it up to people in other conversations I do want to take a step back though because I know you were talking about um, in 2006 when all all of the agencies needed to bring uh, or essentially share their numbers. 
wasn't correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that only from the new york city commission correct yes that okay. was new york city specific so and it so technically which i've never looked into but you bringing it up and then me remembering that it was only new york city wasn't that only for agencies that were working within the new york city jurisdiction correct yes Fuckers, and that's how you get around all the shit yeah right, it was right. it was new york city specific um i will say i do believe there are efforts in europe and and the uk to to publish their numbers i'm hoping with enough force and pressure and prodding from various groups will get to a place where i mean the numbers are they're terrible across the board this is not news to anyone yeah Yeah, it's i mean it's not a news flash water's still wet sky's still blue but it puts us at a foundation where if we're talking we talk about real change a systemic change and increasing the numbers Mm -hmm. we don't know the numbers we're just talking right exactly we don't know the numbers about entry level mid-level senior level having conversations the will is continuing to spin and i think that that's what they love right it's the idea of let's have these ergs let's have these conversations sure we'll have them at ad week but when it really comes down to the work of increasing the numbers mm-hmm. we don't have them so yeah. it doesn't really matter I mean, yeah this yeah. is uh this goes back to the tagline that we had when we first started which was less talk more action because there was all of these panels and every industry conference had a panel about diversity but then nothing was actually changing and our goal is let's stop talking and let's actually do something about it i mean i think the other thing is too like again with the numbers you know, when people say they want diversity and inclusion, it's like this very arbitrary thing. Like, what the fuck what does that, that mean, yeah. right? So, what what does that number look like? You know, how many black people do you need within an agency? How many Latin people? How many Asian people do you need within an agency before you fit? Before you consider yourself diverse? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other reason why we keep spinning with this with this wheel. Because if you know, if we were dealing with the client, and the client has you know outlined their KPIs and say, this is what I need to achieve then you you start working to basically creating something to help them achieve that. But with diversity and inclusion, a lot of the conversation is just like, hey, we want diversity and inclusion. And it feels like this kumbaya feeling, like very something that's very um, qualitative as, as opposed to quantitative. It's interesting that you say that, though, because it is the clients who are forcing some of this change to happen by setting quotas and saying to the agencies, if you're going to pitch me, you need to have at least 50% women or your breakdown needs to look like this. How many How many of them do you feel like are actually holding them to it? Because like with the HP, right? So HP had their report card and, you know, these they let the agencies set their goals for the next year. And a few of those agencies didn't meet those goals. And there was no real repercussion from, you know, failing right you got a failing report card so how many of them do you feel like are really you know standing behind what they say when they're saying that you know you need to come to the table with a diverse team otherwise we're not playing with you yeah i I don't think it's many and then you look at the game and the industry we're in it's so much work uh being done that how do we track that is the question you know or how does clients track that my experience like from the in in the inside of the agency and i'm not going to say which brands because i don't want nobody to be like we don't we don't want her working on nothing like i still got bills to pay i mean that was that was that was no shade to hp i mean like businesses it is shade to hp because they should hold themselves accountable and their agencies but also it should be shade to the other agencies because there's also the agencies that are being really strict with their agency partners one 
behemoth of a, of an of a brand um that they will literally fire you or they won't hire you unless you stick to the numbers but the problem is it's now only a numbers game so while you are solving for the quantity and now you have an equal number of black people and women and latinos and asians and lgbtq and now we are all equal 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 it's not necessarily being reflected in your leadership and it's definitely not necessarily being reflected with the quality of engagement that these people are having on your accounts. They're still being treated shitty. They're still getting paid less. There's just more hands on your project. And it looks more like a farm and a zoo and whatever the fuck else. I was at an aquarium this weekend, so (laughs) maybe it's the shark exhibit. (laughs) But it looks more like, uh, it, it looks more, again, like a for play play opportunity than I actually just want true in- true integrity of diversity at my table or inclusion i think it goes into the inclusion thing right, right. so our whole uh, i guess theme is shifted to more inclusion lives here Fair. right the idea that we have people at the door they're all here like what happens now people there's still cultural understandings that need to kind of be broken uh, broken out we all need to have conversations and these conversations that we have race sexuality um, sexism or, or, mm-hmm. or gender um, all come and are hard to talk about, right? Or they come to us and are hard to talk about. So how do we break down those conversations while still meeting client AP, uh, KPIs and still taking the client's BS that we know comes for the, from the agency? Um, and so it comes from a leadership down perspective. Right. So we talk about IPG and Michael Roth. I would say that he does, or, or he has with his team been able to create some change around the number situation, but what does inclusion look like? I think is what everybody is trying to figure out. Like, how do we, you know, authentically bring everyone together? And it's something that they did not try to figure out when they tried to get the numbers. And so now we're all in this situation. Because you can't measure that. You can't measure, well, yet, I guess. You can't measure experience, and that's not what they want to pat themselves on the back. A lot of people him (laughs) want to get patted on the back for having a whole bunch of black women working within your network inclusion is a harder problem to solve and every i think everyone's still like the the sheer diversity numbers are still so bad i don't think anyone has gotten to the let's fix inclusion which as hard as it is for this industry to fix the diversity problem it's gonna be even harder to fix the inclusion problem. because with inclusion you have to I mean, because with inclusion, you have to change your behavior. Yes. And you have to hold people accountable. Right. Diversity, I can just go get you. I can go pick you up. It's an Uber. Mm. I can just go pick you up. I don't got to treat you good when you get in the Uber. I don't have to wash the car. I can pass all the gas, leave the heat on. Inclusion means that I actually have to be a good, I have to be good with myself and good with my own space. And then when I let you in, make you also feel comfortable and also expect for you to make me feel comfortable. Like, that's the problem. I don't want to put you in a snitching position. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> but, like, when Who's you work... fucking up? <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm not scared of any of these agencies or brands. We ain't scared <laughs> either. We ain't scared, so this is all good. All right, cool. What is the most... Sh- when you talk with them and you guys are consulting and you're giving your strategic you know, recommendations mm-hmm. on how they can make their workplace better... What is like the most astounding thing that that you find shocking that people just don't get? The but the, you know the what I mean. I, 
Yeah, the idea that you need diversity. So we've had to come from a, a standpoint of this is how many billions or millions you're missing out on or that you're losing because you're not focused on culture, right? Things that they should already know. So we have to talk about that. That's why you have to do these insight reports, right? Here's the reason why we need to get more people in the door, and here's the reason why we need to make them feel more included. So that's one thing. It's like, all right, we really have to have this conversation. Yeah. Like, can't we go into the solutions? I think then from it's the solutions aspect, right? It's so much to tackle. It's right. an entire, like, structure, curriculum. It's going to take three to five years, if that. It's to, a system. Yeah, to, it's a system yeah. itself. And then you have people within the system who want to maintain power. Right. It's not, you know, it is systemic racism. It is more subtle when we think of it um, within the corporate world, right? And so how do we break out of that and deal with people is what we really find. It's like, oh, it takes a long time. What? How do we quantify that? What does this success look like? Um, how do we get quality people with quality conversations? Right. That really shocks us. I think for me, it's more that it's like a checkbox. People mm. are just trying to check. Like, oh, we had a MAPE intern. Check. Like, we yeah. solved the DNI yeah. problem. And it's a lot more nuanced and layered than that. So, so people have to go outside of what they've done and actually do work to solve the problem. So since you guys have clearly solved diversity and inclusion at this Not table. at all. Let's talk about your successes, right? So, like, obviously you guys are doing the good Lord's work and out here just trying to make some change. But, like, what does success look like for you guys? And then do you have any recent, like, wow, I can't, I'm, I'm so happy we've been doing this moment that you could share with us? Uh, success for me looks uh, like the clients that we do work with. We're able to be, we're able to meet our goals internally, right? So if that's a three to five year plan, we're actually building the numbers, we're building something on a qualitative level around inclusion, we're building relationships with the people we're trying to work with, and they're saying, this works for me, like the uh -huh. company is changing. Um, and I think from a success level, it's being light years away from where we were uh, this year, where we will be next year, right? So it's continuously um, progressing. Uh, you know, I would love more middle level managers and senior level managers in roles in the next three to five years, if not sooner. I don't care if we need to create new ones. I don't care if we need to get we some don't. of these old they ones. They actually really just need right? to promote people. You know, they need to demote people, fire them. Let's get some more people and let's be uh, uh, bold about how we're approaching inclusion and diversity. It doesn't take another like 10 years. Like fair reviews and yeah, shit. Yeah, no fair reviews. It's like, all right, if it's not working, it's not working. If we need to change our leadership in order to kickstart our diversity and inclusion efforts from a middle and senior level position so that we can then trickle down the entire company, let's do that. And I need more leaders who are able to think that way. Throw the whole company Throw away. Throw the whole company out. Why not? I mean, I think, that, I think that's really, really, I think it's really a fair point because when, again, like the numbers, right? So you, you mentioned 2006 where there was basically um, this influx of people of color into the advertising industry because everyone was trying to, um, address the lawsuit that was pending and for me i always kind of look and go well where the fuck are all these people right so you also look at the mapes you look at um like the mate program and so we've had thousands of people of color who've gone through who've entered the system and then they've left because they haven't been promoted be they should be mid-level managers by now they should be in hiring positions by now but they're not so like how how are you guys like addressing and, and i know it's like your 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 secret sauce but like 
dealing with the system and as people of color, we've always heard like the system is going to work as designed. So you guys are basically trying to break the system. How are you addressing that in a system where we know that especially white men are trying to retain power? So them letting you in the door may just be like, hey, like, yeah, we want it, you know, kumbaya feelings. But how are you actually addressing people that want to hold on to to the power? I think uh, so. For us, it we have to take the long term view because we're not going to solve that working with a client for a year. And I think it's taking the incremental steps to work up to that. So you have to start from the ground up. Um, I think the first thing to do is to look at the review process and and actually look at the diverse employees and compare them to the rest of the employees and the rest of your team and see so you can physically show them you are holding your employees back and this is what's happening on a systemic basis so just looking at the data that they have and examining it in such a way that proves to them that there is an issue Mm -hmm. and then working on as you said breaking things or changing up whatever needs to be changed up to prevent that from happening and I think the biggest problem is at least something that we've heard recently is like, well, we have the one insert whatever employee type. Right, exactly. (laughs) And it's like, but they're not fit. Okay, well, but why is there only one? And then the thing that I often say, which is not solving the problem, but it's helping people understand it is, all right, so you've got these entry-level, I hate calling them kids, but let's for – I mean, quite frankly, when you walk (laughs) up in this joint, you are a whole child. You know, you don't really become an adult until you've been to the Christmas party. I don't don't think that's a fair assumption just because a lot of people go to school later in life. I'm not talking age wise. I'm just talking about your innocence is lost before the uh, after the first Christmas. So you've got these people coming at the entry level and then getting frustrated after a few years or from what we've been hearing lately, it takes a few months and they're done and then they're going to go to other outlets like the BuzzFeeds of the world or the um, complexes of the All world. Of them, I mean. Actually, a lot and of then, people are going to complex right, right. now. And so you are then going to pay for complex okay. for these people Actually, let's to talk about it. Way. If you have a contact, let me know. <laughs> right. I do, actually. I know someone at Strong Black Lead. Let's actually talk about <laughs> okay. Netflix. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, go no. ahead. No, I think, uh, to be honest, point, she's absolutely right. Like, we need to look at, like, how diverse employees are being treated in comparison to um, their white counterparts. There's actually a technology that... Um, I'm on the board of that's actually working to do that. It's going to be fun where they can tap into the HR like systems of the agencies and say, your black woman in Texas is making less than white men in Texas in in the account management division. And so it can get that granular around diverse like inequities. And then they can then pinpoint uh, the problem so that we can then come and solve it from a consulting level. Imagine if Molly found that on Insecure when she found that man's paycheck. (laughs) You black women are making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars less, less than, than your oh. male counterpart. And it literally will bring. If she had up. a Siri voice, I'd be kind of. Siri, how much more is this right. person next to me making than I am? Because I'm trying to leave at five. <laughs> right, but to Simeon's point, that's what we're dealing with right. when we think about like breaking power. Is that 
it goes in back into interest yeah. convergence. We have to say in order for you, you have to care about diversity because you get rewarded on a monetary exactly. end or you get your money. Mm. You get millions of billions for your stakeholders. You keep your job. That's where we have to come from instead of the fact of, oh, change or you're going to die. Because unfortunately, challenging power is going to take many different areas. I also think that it's a multi-tier approach. I have my notes and I wrote it down. Mm. So it's externally. Go ahead. Yes, externally. <laughs> I brought the receipts. Is I think that one? externally okay. it's like nonprofits, consultancies that are rooted in like research on subject and subject matter expertise. Right. Podcasts and media companies um, like Mixed Company and many others who are giving the insights and the uh, uh, cultural nuances to people and saying this is the information readily available. Then internally, it's more DNI officers, right? They right. need more support. But then also DNI giving them an actual budget, right? But then also the advocates I'm all within, about money. yeah. <laughs> all about money. But right. money to work with. I yeah, mean, there are people that we know and love very well in the in the DNI space where they're like, you get put into these roles and these job functions and these cute titles and the only budget that's there for you is to parade you around the world to Absolutely. speak but not actually to make influence and make any change and they don't have mm. it uh, and then having a team right so right. we think the ergs are not the diversity or chief diversity officers team right i mean that man had robin bro the problem right well yeah but the idea is that they need to it build ERG Community should teams. build community. Yeah. They shouldn't be trying to take on the systemic power and shift of like with the chief diversity officer. In addition solely. to their full time jobs. In addition to job, their full time right. jobs, right? That's a lot of you know, like where's Listen. my extra hundred K for Listen. that? Um and then from an other level it's the mandate. So we know agencies have to mandate it from a executive level. Mm-hmm. Um, government has to mandate it. We saw it with, uh, you know, the Madison Avenue project right. that was only in New York. What happens when the federal government starts to take up these un- conversations around? Well, they did and with affirmative action yeah. and with the EEOC, yeah. and especially in the early '90s, they yeah. did, but also started to pull back yeah. once certain people that did not necessarily benefit started to bitch and moan about it. Right, and affirmative action was there be- to benefit of it's. They said for us, but it was actually for them, right? So anything that's mm-hmm. benefiting them will always benefit us. It just may not be in the same way we know. Um, So it's just like having that mandate from government and then also having the client mandate. You know, so like we talked about that. If the agency executives are saying, this is what I want to see, and if not, you're gone. If the clients are saying, this is what I want to see, and I will check, and if not, you're gone. If the government is saying the same thing, and then we have internal or external stakeholders, then we're hitting the problem at many different areas. Because we're all holding each other accountable. because we're all holding each other accountable. Bold culture isn't going to solve it alone, and we don't think that we're going to solve it alone. You need to stop telling people that before they stop paying you for it. That's exactly what you do. We're we're going to work with their (laughs) stakeholders to solve the problem. Like We can only tell you this is what you need to do. If you don't do it, and this is you know for any of our clients, even on like a, a media agency side, if we say this is what you need to do and you say, okay, cool, and you don't do it, then we're going to have to step away. You're not serious Fair. about it. And I think I want to add two things. Um, one is from an HR perspective, they need to start being advocates for their people and they need to actively Preach. solicit feedback and not get not be scared by what feedback they're going to hear right and they need to make themselves known as safe havens for the teams because what we hear is well my office is open or i you know please come to me with these issues if i don't feel like you're a safe space for me i'm not going to come to you with these issues and then i think it is it is also the ergs and i think people have to come together and offer that feedback i don't think people should be doing this alone but i think 
employees need to be supporting each other right and there needs to be mentorship programs where people are given a voice at the table to give that feedback a hundred percent so I'm, I'm pretty certain that we're well over an hour and i'm you know if y'all ain't trying to go home i so am because like i said <laughs> i've been having a good monday but i do want to get some like in addition to what you've already presented um we're all about solutions what do you guys have a macro or a micro step that you think that uh, the businesses that you guys work with should, um, what should they be doing to make change? Like, what are yeah. some simple, practical things that'll even that'll either influence inclusion on a macro level or on a micro level that can change their space today? Absolutely. So we uh, talk about this like three comprehensive ways. I'm going to forget all of the ones from the um, study, but it's. First, getting the numbers. Bianca is completely right about that. Full stop, we need to understand what the data tells us, right? From an inclusion perspective, from a diversity perspective, qualitative, quantitative, we need to understand. And I think bold culture and consultancies like us, us being, you know, the best, if you want to. Yes, of course. Us, um, you know, we're objective in that sense, right? So we're able to get that information then and and have talent feel more comfortable than them coming to an HR professional and them saying, oh, do you feel included? Do you feel like you can talk to me? Uh -huh. Right, that's very intimidating. So us being able to do that on a non an, an anonymous level, um, you need to do that across your agency. That's step one. We don't know where to start if we don't know the problem. You could say, oh, I don't feel included or X, Y, and like how, right? What's the data? From there, I think it's breaking or, or ha being able to have the conversations. What does the conversation look like? Well, that comes from the data. If people feel like, well, I don't have a chance to move from entry level to mid-level, then how do we create conversations around um, building better leaders, um, creating opportunity even if it's not a title, um, creating value of yourself and for the agency or agency creating value for you so that you feel like you want to stay here another three years before that position opens up, right, and being mm -hmm. realistic about that. So getting the data, having specific uh, and measurable things. I actually talked about this. There are no SMART goals around diversity and inclusion, mm. right? Nope. I've never heard about that. And we all talk about SMART goals in agencies, specific and measurable and attainable and realistic, timely. But there's no DNI SMART goal, right, across the industry. I don't think for agencies. And so if we even start there on a planning end, mm -hmm. we may, may see better results. I want to offer two micro solutions. Um, if you are a manager and you have direct reports, take them out for a cup of coffee and talk to them and learn about them. Mm -hmm. That's like step one. And I think if you are an employee and you are not feeling as though you're being heard and you know other people who look like you um, who are from the same place as you, get together and organize because there's power in numbers mm -hmm. and the conversations that you're I mean this podcast is a great example like the conversations that you're having privately are really important but if you band together into groups like MIM or black creatives then these agencies and HR people have a specific organized group to go to and say we need help with X you know we need help connecting with these type of people then there's a conduit there hundred percent and before we even go you guys have you guys have a thing and thing and thing about to drop real soon you guys have like a new announcement um what can we expect in the near future from bold culture yes so our next uh, insight report on the latinx community is going to be called la mosaica 
Latinx, which is the Latinx mosaic, right? It's breaking down the barrier or the perception that the Latinx community is a monolith. Um, and it's going to be similar to the black paper where we're talking about the nuances between culture, right, language, colorism, um, the idea of Latinx talent and where to find that uh, ta tech and media talent from a digital um, platform perspective, and also how to make sure that people feel included, specifically Latinx individuals feel included uh, within the workplace. So it's going to be marketing focused for a consumer standpoint and then also from a talent standpoint on how to attract retain and resonate with talent and so I'm excited Kai's definitely uh, written a piece for us and so we're excited yes. to release that um, it's going to be digital first we printed the black paper on a magazine format this time we're going to make it digital it's going to be more uh, stories and then we're going to actually print the best stories and send it out into the agency and brand world amazing and how do people get in touch with you guys if they want to learn more or if agencies uh your least favorite agencies favorite agencies want to reach out to you how do they get in touch uh so you can find us at boldculture.co yeah and you can email me darren at boldculture.co um, you can download the black paper at our website as well. See a lot of our articles that we talk about three comprehensive ways of approaching diversity and inclusion, plus many other things. Um, just, you know, the website is everything that you, you need around diversity and inclusion. Amazing. Well, thank you guys yeah, for joining us. This is such thank a great conversation. I'm sure we could go on for, for sure. a whole conference <laughs> worth of discussions. Yes. Um, but as you guys know, we have a shit ton more content coming to you for October because um, we just been busy. We've been in the streets, grinding, meeting new friends, bringing people over to play after school. Um, so if you're interested in, obviously you are, but if you're interested in listening to any more episodes or you want to know how to contact us, we're on all the social medias at Ask Mix Company. Uh, we are on uh, Gmail at AskMixCompany at gmail.com. Um, and if you just want to check out the website, we're MixCompanyPodcast.com. We can't wait to see you guys. What's the next thing that we're traveling to? 3%. We are heading over to 3% Conference in uh, November 8th and 9th. Um, we'll be in the Windy City, Chi-Town, the home of the Steppers. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> you know. I'm jealous. <laughs> Your girl's going to be out there with all the deep dish pizza. Um, we're going to go to the Steppers Clubs. Um, and what else do you do in Chicago? I'll probably buy a fur because why the hell not? <laughs> Um, Go to the museum if you have time. It's a there's a museum, museum. too. Yeah, it's um, a beautiful no. museum. Yeah. Okay. Yes, well, may, okay. It'll be my first time in Chicago, so I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I'm just going to be so excited and cold at the same time. Um, but with that being said, thank you guys for joining us thank today. Thank you so much thank for having, having thank us. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for listening, and we will see y'all, speak to y'all, kick it with y'all later. Later. Bye.